0: Hey everybody. I am mostly on vacation this week, but we do have a new episode for you today. Before we get into that, wanted to remind you quickly about my upcoming workshop on April 19th. Getting very excited for it. It's called Bringing Sexy Back. We're going to talk about all the good stuff to make your libido take a nice jump up. If you've been struggling with that lately, which so many ladies I know are so i'd love for you to be there for me to share with you all the ways that you can really support that get that going again bring some vitality back into your daily life so join us uh, on april 19th at 12 p.m eastern standard time if you go to my website and you're just near the top it says latest workshop bringing sexy back just click there to sign up and i also have a new quiz if you haven't been to my website lately called what's your hormone issue it's just a two-minute quiz that's going to tell you which path to go down in terms of supporting yourself with whatever is going on for you hormonally, because it's not just one thing, right? It could be that you're dealing with estrogen dominance, or it could be that you're dealing with perimenopause, or it could be that you're dealing with a thyroid or adrenal issue. So you really, um, you know, we have different symptoms depending on what's happening, and we need to support those areas first and foremost when that's what's going on for us. So hopefully this quiz can help guide you on what area you should tackle first. So all you have to do is head to com, and you'll see the link for the quiz up near the top in um, a little pink uh, rectangular thing that goes across the top. So you'll see it right um, on the front of the website. Okay. I think that is it. So I am just sharing with you that Vacation for the first time in a while. I was in uh, Jacksonville, Florida, for a few days. Got to see an old friend, which was great. An old friend from high school. It's you know good to reconnect with people when you haven't seen them for years, but they knew you when, right? And then I'm heading tomorrow to see another friend down in St. Pete. So super excited about beach time, and it's such a good reminder too of needing vacations, like real true vacations. Um, I am obviously we're doing some work today, but really having this set aside time to disconnect from work. And if you're in your own business, you know, that's a really hard thing to do. And yet it is absolutely necessary for our health, our bodies, our minds, our spirits, um, to just let go of all of the, stuff that can weigh on us when we are running our own business or even if we don't run our own business you know even if you work for someone else um and even think about if you run your family stuff i mean that's a lot on our shoulders too so getting actual breaks is imperative in my opinion and we do less and less of that these days so hopefully me talking about it right now will inspire you to think about some upcoming vacation time for yourself. Um, do it for your body. Do it for your health. And in the meantime, you get to listen today to something that is also going to very much support your body and your health. And it is with an old instructor of mine um, from 2003 or four, I think we decided on one of those years. So um, it was great fun for me to both be able to reconnect with this guest and talk about her amazing, incredible work. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive in. Hey there, and welcome to Hormonally Speaking. I'm your host, Christine Garvin, a functional health coach, Each week, I speak with an incredible guest expert on all things women's hormones. We're here to empower you to take back control of your body, health, and well-being, and to learn about the latest in research and solutions when it comes to getting your hormones happy. No part of this podcast should be construed as medical advice, and we always recommend working with a professional practitioner to figure out what's best for your body. Now, let's dive in with today's guest. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Hormonally Speaking. I am really, really excited today because I have been able to bring to you an old friend of mine that we have not seen each other for many, many years actually. And she was the reason that I um, essentially got into the program that I did with my holistic health education masters. Um, she was the first class that I took there and it was kind of my um, I'm going to try and see how I feel about this place kind of a class. Right. And so in taking her class, I was like, yep, I'm in. Let's do this. I'm, I'm full speed ahead now. <laughs> so super, super happy to have her here because. What she does um, around energy work, and you've heard me talk about energy work so much on the podcast at this point, I think energy work and trauma work are so, so important and often overlooked when it comes to hormones and health. Um, She's just always uh, been fascinating in her experiences with energy work and how she teaches it. So we're going to talk about all of that today. My guest is Vicki De who is a life-changing workshop leader. He uh, energy master teacher and inspirational speaker since 1975 her brand of brilliance has empowered wellness motivated and spiritually inclined seekers to infuse body mind spirit practices into their very cells, so that they can tap into their birthright of joy, use it as a fuel not a goal. For a lifetime. In addition, Vicki has drawn from decades of theater performance, directing experience, along with her lifelong study of martial arts, to fire up visionary speakers to amplify their charisma and deliver their message with passion, presence, and power. Her methods for both crafting stories and her focus on the energy behind how they are told have touched and transformed hundreds of speakers to stand and deliver with joy, confidence, and ease. Popular host of monthly program Qi Talks and a Hall of Fame recognized teacher of the Chinese art of Qigong by the Association of Women Martial Arts Instructors, Vicky's spiritual fitness program and book, The Way of Joy, has transformed the lives of thousands of participants since 1975. Welcome, Vicky. Oh, thank you so much, Christine.
1: It's just a joy to see you again. I can't even tell you.
0: I know, right? It's just as we were talking about before we got on, it's been so many years now. It's kind of crazy just how time passes, right? It's
1: crazy. I think it's 20 years since I first met you. Yeah. So it's really nuts.
0: Yeah, right. And then so here we are. And, and that's, I think the good thing about, you know, cause we sort of reconnected via, um, uh, I guess, I guess LinkedIn's a social media, uh, way, you know, approach. And that's the good thing about the social media platforms, right. Is that you can reconnect and stay connected with people that at one time, you know, pre 2000, (laughs) you weren't able to easily do. So, um, so yeah. So let's start off with, just the basics for people that have never heard of Qigong, you know, what is it, what is going on?
1: Well, that's a great question because there are a lot of people who haven't heard of Qigong still. Um, Qigong is a word, most people have heard of Tai Chi Chuan mm. and or Tai Chi and some people, and, and, and Tai Chi is one style of Qigong. So Qigong is a word like dance. It's a very broad word and it includes um, many different styles and lineages and philosophies. Uh, in, there's, there's healing Qigong or or medical Qigong. There's spiritual Qigong. There's intellectual Qigong. There's um, a, a whole bunch of different types. It's uh, martial arts style of Qigong. Yeah. Tai Chi would fall under that ca- category. So so it's a word that came up in the 50s, I think, or late 40s, basically to encapsulate all of these different lineages and practices that focus on breath, visualization, and movement. So whether that's internal movement through visualization or literally moving your body, and they sort of put that all under the cap of Qigong. So again, it's a fairly new word to describe ancient practices, and there's over 6,000 was the last I heard 6,000 exercises that get called Qigong. So you could study with one teacher for years and learn everything they had to teach and then go to somebody else and do entirely different practices. (laughs) What they do have in common is uh, most of Qigong is based on Taoist concepts or Taoist principles. And so it's working a lot with how to be in flow, how to uh, you know be adaptable in your life, how to uh, be empowered and have a sense of agency over how your body works.
0: Mm-hmm. And I was, as you were talking, I was thinking about how those concepts have become so um pertinent and available, I think, in our culture now, even when it's not called Qigong, right? Like it's, it's this idea of visualization, this idea of breath work, and maybe our science, our allopathic science is kind of catching up with these ancient traditions that Many, you know, different cultures understood how uh, important they were for a long period of time. And we're just kind of in Western culture, you know, catching up with that now. But I I think that's such a, you know, a beautiful um, encapsulation of these things that are part of the human spirit right that we're Absolutely. just starting to see how important they are
1: yeah well you know it's super exciting because I think that there's a way in which that split between science and spirituality or a sense of um what what is underneath you know what what what's driving us what 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 makes us who we are that that's all starting to kind of come together because it feels like an artificial split that happened what for whatever reason long long ago at least in western culture and now that it's coming together through the everything from quantum physics to functional medicine to various types of approaches to who are we here we humans on this planet or are we living beings on this planet um and what is that made of Has become more and more unified over mm-hmm. time and mm-hmm. i think that's just the direction we're going is a kind of healing an ancient split that doesn't really belong there
0: right and and i think we're partially getting there because the other things that we were doing weren't working to, right. to really <laughs> make us healthy because you can't have a split.
1: Right. Right. right.
0: Actually be holistic and truly healthy. And so um, I, I, you know, I think one of the positive things, if you want to call it that, that came out of COVID was, I think a lot of people started to um come around maybe to these concepts, you know, I think it was already building, but then that just gave some time and some ability for people to kind of, um, you know, learn about different things than they had before and, and also understand how much stress impacts our daily life and our health and that we need other ways of dealing with stress than sort of these just things that we've been using that haven't really been all that helpful, you know, or kind of just blunt stress.
1: That's so so true, and I think that that's you know I mean I think that that's part of it's almost like there's a new paradigm that we're living in now, right? Because there's there's no going back to pre-COVID, even though people are going out more now, and and um, the strains of COVID don't seem as severe. Um, there's still a sense that we've opened up a different way, right? It's definitely more in the virtual world, or what my friend Solala calls cyber DAO. Um, <laughs> Uh, but, but really, you know, that, that, that there's now, there's this sense that, okay, well, how do we navigate, how do we navigate connection now? And that, that's, that's something that's really, really interesting to me because it's like, what is it that connects us? And, um, I think that there's, there's, there's a possibility here of building something new that can go beyond where we were even before the pandemic. Mm
0: -hmm. Absolutely. A hundred percent. So how did you find yourself learning about Qigong in the first place?
1: Ah, learning about Qigong. Okay. Um my first encounter with, with it was a Tai Chi class when I took that I took when I was in a theater program um, that they brought in Tai Chi for actors. So this is a long, long time ago. This is like in the late 60s, early 70s yeah, like sixties or early seventies, mm. um, and uh and they, you know, at first I wasn't sure what this thing was. I didn't particularly relate to the teacher. Uh, I didn't feel it was a, a Chinese master teacher, but he he came in, and I was just his big claim to fame was that he had a younger wife, who you know he, he was really old. He was maybe sixty, <laughs> younger <laughs> than I am now.
0: But he, he, at he, the he, time, uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was a teenager, but he. <laughs> um he he uh he had a wife and he'd had recently they'd had a baby and so his big you know it was this big you know see how virile mm-hmm. tai chi made him. and mm-hmm. virility was not of any interest to me at all <laughs>
0: so, <laughs> you're like i'm but, good thanks <laughs>
1: right but when i started doing the tai chi and started doing the movement it was like coming home it was like i almost it was almost like he i was learning this but remembering it at the same time mm. i was just like felt so right. So that was my first introduction to this whole world of of Tai Chi and Qigong. And then I I continued it um, uh, when I started going to college uh, and and did that. Uh, After a while, I started doing more of the fighting arts, the martial arts that were more for self-defense. and then came back to Qigong after, and it's in it that I heard you tell my story on another podcast. And yep. I was like, oh my gosh, she tells that so well. She oh. really got, it. she heard it. <laughs>
0: Good. <laughs> and I, I love for you to I'd love for you to share it now. I think it's so amazing. Obviously, it's stuck with me for many, many years.
1: Well, I was so impressed. So yeah, <laughs> I, I was um I, I was in a uh I was in a martial arts school. I was learning Kajikembo, which is really a fighting art that's draws together five different arts in order to really learn how to defend yourself. It was created by five martial arts masters to help street fighting in Hawaii, help people mm. take care of themselves in Hawaii. But anyway, I was studying this I, this art and it, there's a lot of sparring and fighting in it and I was fighting a lot at the time with um, my partner who I was breaking up with and so she and I would be fighting at home and then for some reason our teacher thought it was a great idea to have us fight with one another at the school so we would be <laughs> kicking and punching it was kind of, it was not a happy time for life. <laughs> no. <laughs> um but I had started it because I wanted to learn to defend myself. I had had some attacks on the street in the past. So when I um when I when, one day I was coming home from the school, mm-hmm. I was taking the subway, BART here in California from uh from from the from the school back to my home and as I was walking home from the BART station, this guy walked around the corner. Um, and, you know, how you can sometimes I think most women are very alert to there can be some energy that you feel is funky or you can feel something feels menacing. Mm-hmm. So he came around the corner and I just my my antennae went out, went up. But I, I didn't go into any kind of fighting stance where I was ready to kick or punch him. I just did something instinctively where I just got a little taller. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as he came up to me, he reached out to grab me. And as he grabbed, reached out to grab me, his hand bounced about six inches or a foot from actual contact with my body. And I knew he hadn't missed because he walked away looking at his hand <laughs> and then looking at me and looking at his hand and looking back at me like, what happened? Yeah. So I didn't even know what happened. It wasn't until I got home and I got a phone call from somebody who became my First, big Qigong teacher who was calling to say, I don't think you need to learn these fighting arts anymore. I think you need to focus on some of these internal arts like Qigong. And she had been just doing that off of a a chart that she'd read about me. (laughs) So I started studying Qigong and learned that the name for this thing that happened was an actual, real, palpable field that's Mm. called Wei Qi. It has to do with external energy. And in Chinese medicine, it has to do with Wei Qi, has to do with your protective energy, like what keeps you. From you know the your, your immune system from mm. pathogens and pathogens and allergens and that kind of thing, um but there's an actual field that you can start to play with that expands and contracts uh, according to what you want. And it's the same type of energy that when somebody comes to a party or something like that, and you sort of are drawn to them or you're sort of repelled, like mm-hmm. I think that person of past, that has to do with this energy that's emitting from them, even though, even, whether you believe in energy, so-called energy or not, it's it's there. We we read that in each other instinctively.
0: Right. And, you know, I think, I mean, this is just something that came to my head. It, it's an interesting approach to for women you know i have long thought oh i need to take some self defense classes you know because i'm i'm not trying to carry a gun i'm not trying you know trying to do any of these things and so i've i've always kind of thought self defense classes but there's a, a kind of a part of me that just it's such a masculine thing mm. that I, i'm not necessarily drawn to doing it and so as you were talking you know, I don't want to m- masculinize or feminize any of this stuff, but the, the way she almost sounds like a little bit of more of a feminine approach, right? It's like, you're utilizing your own energy as a protective field where you don't have to like necessarily come at somebody,
1: right? you know, right.
0: Um, and, and I could be completely off, but I was just like, Oh, that's so powerful that you were just aware you were using your intuition, which yes. I think, you know, so many, Um, women and cycling people really um, have a deep connection to, but may be disconnected for whatever reason. And then from that place, you were extending your energy as a protection mechanism.
1: Yeah, instinctively. And Mm -hmm. I think the thing is that, you know, with women, I think we've also, there's something about witchy that has to do with, really having agency owning your own power right to be able to stand mm-hmm. because basically what I did was I I remember I had this thought that as my spine lengthened and it just I got I just stood really tall and I remember having this thought I am mm-hmm. and and when I started to really explore more with Wei chi particularly now I've been teaching it for so long um and and had so many students report amazing experiences with it that that I think that that there's something that with women, I think, in terms of the gender piece of it, we tend to be trained out of it and trained out of sort of that owning your power, being aligned between, you know, what roots you and what inspires you and being able to express that with a pl- plate from a place of passion and power. To be able to do that uh, is something that, at least in my generation, was definitely scolded, right? Mm-hmm. I, I was frowned upon. my My father was a perfect example of somebody who was mm-hmm. like you know you should you know I remember one time I was visiting him and his wife was asking me about some of the work I did and I was telling her and she was saying this is great stuff Vicky you should tell people about this all the time and my father turned to her and he said no <laughs> you know what I love about her <laughs> she never talks about herself and I remember thinking <laughs> oh, at the time thank you so much for tell, saying that because now I realize where that came from mm. so there's something about mm. and, and I think that that many women and, and I think you know women who are in different generation than me are sort of standing on the shoulders of the work that women did before that in the women's movement and so forth to be able, or white women's movement, I should say, to be able to really, you know, own that. Um, so, so I think there is a a piece of it that's genderized that I hadn't even thought about, but, but that when a woman stands in in her power, it, it can be incredible. Um, And it's powerful. just as powerful. Pa- yeah.
0: It's just it's as powerful as it's
1: just nothing. as powerful as a punch in the jaw. Right. Right. Right.
0: Exactly. You know, and I think, and, yeah, and you hurt your
1: hand doing
0: it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and and I do think that's a huge piece of what we're, you know, facing and dealing with right now is how um, does the feminine rise within her power for their power, you know, um, in order to help balance this world that has been, you know, so far in one direction for so long, you know, yes. and and to me, it's not about you know the feminine taking over and suppressing the men like it has been, or the masculine as ha- you know it's been, but that really just are rebalancing, um, yes. you know that that we are hopefully, I always like to believe that we're in the process of that happening, even if not all the things that you see on the news every day feel like that. But yeah, you know, the the wider circle. So yeah,
1: yeah, there's there's a rise in that type of consciousness, I think. And, um, and and I think it's necessary, right, is we need to have that balance. And we need to have that sooner rather than later. Mm -hmm. And it's just it's in its and it's a new paradigm. So Mm -hmm. one that's based in patriarchy or white supremacy, that's that feels to me like it's, kind of I mean it's certainly more bold and bald than it's been in the past but it also feels like it's there's more and more consciousness rising that says no we can do another way we can be have a collective you know if you yeah. want to go you know if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go without that African proverb if you want to go with others you know um, if you want to go far go with others that, mm. that concept mm-hmm. um, of how do we how are we interconnected to really recognize that we are all part of a uh a a consciousness, a planet, you know, that sort of we are all one consciousness is, you know, and, and I'm watching more and more men embrace that part of themselves, what they call the feminine, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and for me, it's this, you know, this is this yin and yang, which I've never really liked genderizing those two concepts, but has to do with the balance of um, what our internal world is with how, what we're creating in our external world.
0: Absolutely. So you've continued to do uh, Wei Qi and qigong. essentially. I mean, I know qigong Gong is kind of the, the umbrella term, but all of these years since then, um, yeah. I think that that's just an amazing, there's not many people <laughs> that stick to many things for that long period of time. What do you think has made you really, you know, stay with it for this long?
1: Um, what a great question. You know, it's one of those things that happens in cycles that I fall in love with it again and again. Mm. So there's different things that have happened in my life. Like I remember when I was first training myself to be a teacher, which I was doing two and a half to three hours of very intensive practices a day um, uh, so that I would be able to sustain what I thought was important to sustain as a as a qigong teacher and what I was being led to through the teacher that I had at the time, mm-hmm. um, and I was uh, I was also very stressed in my life at that time. There was a lot going on. I remember I got, I got hit by a car. And while I was walking across the street, I got thrown up in the air. Have I told you that story?
0: Uh-uh. No, I don't think this oh. <laughs> <Yeah, there's> one. <laughs> so,
1: so I was walking across the street. This car hit me. I remember looking over my shoulder, seeing that I thought it came to a stop sign. And then I just kept walking. I was jaywalking, I have to confess. <laughs> um, and then I looked over my shoulder again, and he was coming in at me really fast. Mm. And it was about 30, 30 miles an hour. Wow. I got thrown many, many feet up in the air. And in that moment of being thrown up in the air, I had this moment where time stopped. You know, the same way that time slows down for people who've had car accidents and stuff like that. For me, it was like I was up in the air, time stopped. And I remember literally looking around it was like I was a seed inside of a hull, mm. and I was looking around at the inside of my body and going, "Wow, I really am just a seed in this hull, and I can choose to stay or I can choose to leave. Mm. What do I want to do?" Hmm. Wow. And I uh, and it was not a given that I wanted to stay because I was I was struggling with some depression and some issues that were going on for me, and I decided to stay. Obviously, and I opened my eyes and I was coming down to the pavement and I just tucked into a, a aikido roll, basically mm. you know, rolled out of it. And then I stood up and I started to do some qigong and the guy leaped out of his car and was like, what are you doing? Lie down! I just hit you. Lie down.
0: (laughs) You're like, this is going to take care of it. Okay. Let me do my thing.
1: (laughs) I lay down and I just started doing it internally. And, you know, I ended up going, you know, they took me to the hospital and just, you know, I was twisted, but nothing was broken. I remember the people standing around the doctors and nurses going from that double impact of being hit at that speed and then hitting the pavement that hard, she should be dead or broken yeah I was fine I walked out I was twisted it took years to untwist my spine to the degree that I needed to but it's but but the bottom line is is that that's when I fell in love with qigong again because it was Mm. like I realized it was this energy practice that that first of all made me that resilient second of all allowed me to slow time down to kind of make that choice also Mm -hmm. helped me in terms of the reflex action of going into a role there was a lot about qigong that what i'd learned through and from qigong that so that's just one time i have many many instances where it just came back around and Mm -hmm. then after a certain point it became watching what happens for my students because that's really for me where the rubber hits the road it's like all oh, fine for me to have you know these experiences whatever but when i see my students really i mean and i have students who've studied with me some of them for 25 or 30 years i've been doing this for a long time and and the, and i can you know, like why do you keep coming back and they said because you keep renewing how you're doing it so, mm. so i keep people's attention but but it's really um seeing everything from from people just owning their power in a whole new way being able to use these cheap practices to to really accelerate what they're doing in a way that feels less effort and more mm-hmm. results i mean they're so rewarding to watch that mm-hmm. that even if i didn't have a practice myself. I'd still want to be able to help people that way. It was. Mm-hmm. It's just. It's. It's just. It's very gratifying. So yeah. I think that that's what it is. And at this point, it's just a habit. It's right? Yeah. It's I there. get up. I do my yep. chigong. Yeah. You're like it's deep yeah. in there.
0: Well, yeah. I, was, I was thinking about you know. I think probably some of the popularity of some of the martial arts movies are basically what you explained and what happened to you. Right? Was that. You were able to—I don't want to—you weren't manipulating anything, but you were able to work with the situation because of this thing that was already deeply embedded in you, right? It's not yeah. that would have happened probably that way had you not done. It wasn't
1: I, I was in such a deep practice at that time, right? Right. and We're it was like almost like that it was like a kick in the butt literally because i got hit on the side of my hip but mm. kick in the butt to because i was sort of overextended stressed and depressed and mm. so this was a moment that mm. you know happened a serendipitous type of moment
0: mm. that
1: did not harm me in a in a long term way and that actually redirected how i started to think about what my life was going to look like and what i was going to do next it was one of those you know
0: yeah those moments yeah and moments. I can certainly relate, um, just with my, you know, fibroid surgery gone wrong story and how that, you know, redirects, uh, what I did with my life and sort of got me going, (laughs) gave me the shove to, to redirect. But, um, I also was thinking about, I don't know if you remember Boscar, um, he's, he was also a JFK, uh. Remember the name? Yeah, I was like Basgari. How can you forget that name? Right? Yeah. He at one point, um, he I don't know if he walked the entire length of the country or width of the country, but he walked quite a bit. Right? He did this for I don't know a year or two. And I remember him telling a story of you know being somewhere out in the woods, and he was just walking along, and basically he just like jumped up and then landed on the ground. He didn't even realize why he had jumped, you know, he didn't do it consciously and he looked back and there was a snake right there. So, you know, it's the power of really connecting to your body too, and getting into, I think the practices that really bring us back to our bodies um, and really, you know, deepen that relationship where so much of, unfortunately in our culture is kind of splitting that relationship. Yeah, you know, and and um particularly, you know, with a lot of the women that I work with, we have a deep disconnection, unfortunately, from our bodies because we live in a culture that's like push, 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 do all the things, handle all the things, hustle, you know, the hustle culture was so big there for a little while before um COVID kicked in and it's there's still remnants, you know, that I see. And so we miss all those signals. Well, also,
1: it's change your body, right? There's this constant thing of like your body's not okay, especially women, right? You've got to be this weight. You've got to be this shape. You've got to be, you know, you've got to fit this particular um, false ideal, ideal. that doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, um, you know that's there's a lot of pressure in that way, and I see that even still with young women, it makes me so sad to you know know that I'm an old person. I don't have the same level of like you know frustration around I my suppose. body, but but you know there's and and the thing is is that our bodies, the cells, the very cells of our bodies have such wisdom that mm. when we can tap in, that's what I love about qigong. It's really following the wisdom of of your body. It was the, mm. that wisdom. Um, that, that, that when we really listen in that can just can change everything. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny. I actually just uh, did a social media post, I think on Instagram about what you're saying, you know, what, one, one of the things in the past few years around the, the, woman's body ideal has been you know to be it's like being more curvy and having a bigger booty and all of that and apparently now 90s heroin chick is what they call it you know is coming (laughs) back in style and so the super skinny thing I guess that was happening in the 90s and I just I did a little screaming post is what I like to call it because I'm like at what point can we see the manipulation here, you know, of the, and even when we were accepting curvier bodies and bigger booties, that was only creating an ideal that not everyone can fit into. None of these ideals are any that majority of people can fit into. Right. And, right. and they're, harmful. they're,
1: and they're harmful. harmful and they're
0: harmful and they're going to try and sell you products to right. make you that way. Now plastic surgery on a whole different level. Right. Oh my
1: gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah.
0: It, it's just, you know, it's really incredible. The mental, physical, emotional, emotional, Things that it, that you know um, were put through by trying to get this ideal. So I just I was in that m- mood when I posted. I have to. I said,
1: I'm going to go on Insta right <laughs> after
0: our podcast and
1: listen to you with pleasure.
0: <laughs> I'm like, we got to step out of the insanity, right? You know, leave them to try and create that, and just step out and just be in your body as it is right now. And I I love what you're speaking to because it shows all the beauty and power and, you know, just loving connection that you can build when you start to do these practices, you know, and without a doubt, you know, the energy level has such a huge impact on our hormones, you know, I say energy and trauma are the probably biggest overlooked things when it comes to our hormones. And those are often very interlinked too, yes, right? Because yes, yeah. that hidden trauma, you know, sort of comes, impacts us on these energetic levels that we don't even realize. Right. It
1: create, Those traumas hold, hold in our bodies a stagnation, right? Yeah. What, what we want to do is get that to move. Yeah. Right? yeah. yeah.
0: And so yeah. what a powerful, um, you know, practice something like Qigong is to even you don't have to necessarily tap into that trauma, right? It's just, you're moving that energy that has been stagnated and that can have such a huge impact on your reproductive system because not only is it trauma, you know, from this lifetime, but it's ancestral trauma. And if you believe in past lives, it's that trauma too. Right. And so um, utilizing these practices are just much more powerful, I think, than a lot of people realize.
1: I agree. I absolutely agree. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So let's talk a little bit about the other thing that you do and you really bring your energy practices into supporting this. And this is working with people to get up there, do the speaking, do the presentations, um, tell their story. So tell us what that's all about. Well,
1: I, I this is something that came to me because I was, um, I was back in 2013, I decided to take my Qigong teaching more seriously as a, quote, business, unquote, is, you know, I just sort of had followed the flow unfolding and it had worked well for me. But I wanted to I wanted to go to a new, new level. So I began speaking a lot on stages because I have this big background also in theater and in directing. Um, it was very easy for me to make that transition. Mm. I, a lot of times I'd be on stage with other speakers. And when I see the other speakers speak, I'd notice that they're, they would be losing their audience. And I remember one time I, w- I I gave a talk. It was, you know, got great responses, a nice line of people afterwards wanting to talk to me. Uh, somebody came up to me and said, I love how you tell stories and how you speak. Can you teach me to be more like you? And mm. I said, no, but I can teach you how to be more like you in a way that really makes the kind of impact that you know you're born to make. Mm-hmm. So um, so I started classes. At the time, I called it rock star speaking and storytelling, not because I wanted people to be rock stars, but, <laughs> but because I, um, because I, because when you're at a rock concert, you can feel your bones vibrate, right? Because mm. of the volume. And I mm-hmm. wanted to have the level of impact of people's stories to have that bone moving, you know, that it would create that kind of. Bone, bone moving uh, response in people to really get people motivated and moving. Whether it's towards a call to action for people who are platform speakers who are speaking to earn money or bring people into their pro- programs or keynote speakers who are you know really wanting to inspire people to take action about something or another. So, mm. so, um, so I started to work with the storytelling, especially the storytelling part. And since then, it's developed. Uh, I I call it now your power presence, because what I realized that it all boiled down to communication. And to me, there's four elements or four pillars that are really important to address, especially if you're going to be on a live or virtual stage speaking, which is what is your message, right? Mm-hmm. what is the, What are the stories that carry that message in a way that's succinct and clear, mm-hmm. uh, that doesn't have too many details or too little details, which mm-hmm. sometimes it's, it's hard, hard to know. <laughs> <laughs> right because it's yeah. hard to see the picture when you're inside the frame right, right. you need to have an outside eye um yeah. and then the delivery how are you how are you delivering it um and and then finally what's the energy behind it all so i've sort of taken these four pillars and i work with with speakers and um speakers of all kinds also i've worked with you know lawyers presenting to the supreme court all the way to people speaking you know at a women's march to thousands of people to uh, people speaking in a boardroom or a cor- you know what, what or, or speaking from a stage about their business. Mm. So uh, working with people, anyone who's is any, everybody's a speaker, right? We're all speaking unless you're um, mute for some right. reason. Uh, so so it's like how do we how do we really elevate that? Because I really believe that speaking and telling stories is vital for anybody to move towards you. It's I think of sp- stories as being the vehicle to empathy. Like Maya Angelou mm-hmm. once said uh, that that um, you p- people will often forget what you said or what you did, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. And I think stories are the way you help people know feeling, the feeling, that the feeling connection, how, that, that they get to know you, know, like, trust. That important factor for all entrepreneurs mm-hmm. is it really stems from what what is it that you're telling yourself about yourself, and what are you telling others about yourself? So I started mm-hmm. power presence. Um, individualized programs for people to, uh, and so I work with people who are like, you know, got a big TED talk coming up or some kind of big vital, important thing coming up all the way to people who are just thinking, you know what, I think I need to speak more to build my business. I have different levels of programs that I work with folks. Um, and I use Qigong as part of it. It's Qigong informs everything that I do, right? It's mm-hmm. part of, you know, I've been doing it for so, so long. Um, that it comes through and, and I do have, you know, I do have the uh, people who are open to it, practice some, some of the basic, easy to learn quick to learn practices, particularly right before they step on a stage or step mm. into a, a zoom meeting mm-hmm. um, so they can really be there in their full present yes. and most, most shiny self. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. and I think we are in a time, right. Where, um, this, there's a lot of talk about authenticity and owning your story, right? Right. And that's how you sort of stand out. You Mm -hmm. know, I I was actually just having a conversation with one of my colleagues, because, you know, it may not feel like this to the outside world necessarily. But, you know, we're just like, man, there's a lot of like functional medicine people these days, right? And uh, on social media, and these different places, you're trying to kind of figure out, well, how do i stand out from the crowd you know because it's it's getting yeah. oversaturated and i mean that's what we came back to right it's telling your story it's owning your story and what you said too about one of the the main points that you work on i mean for me it can be so hard to determine what is too too much in the details and what is too little in the details right and and yeah. i can hear it when other people are presenting or you know telling their story you're like oh they just they got it, you know, or yeah, that was a little excessive, you know, versus in yourself, you're just like, I don't know what's going to hit.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and that's, that's so true from a lot of people who I, I get to work with is, you know, they they come and they're just not sure. And, and, and I, you know, to tell you the truth, I always use a director when I'm formulating something new. I, I, I want to see what, what's landing and what isn't. So mm-hmm. it's good to have that outside eye. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think with the detail piece, especially, which is, you know, like I said, is so common, that, that, that a lot of speakers that I've seen end up you know, when they're in their about me part of their talk mm-hmm. of their, say, their signature talk, mm-hmm. they go so much into like it's like a reciting their resume or, you know, I did this and then I did that and then this happened and then I did that. And so they're describing something, but they're not really feeling it and neither is mm. their audience. Mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. they get so lost in the weeds of the details that they forget to come back to the essence of what they're trying mm-hmm.
0: to say. <laughs> that's probably more me <laughs> it's just like oh well and then this happened and then this <laughs> happened and you're like all right we got to make that a little more succinct for sure well, yeah.
1: yeah to have that that core thread, know how to weave that through is really useful. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and I was thinking about too, when you were talking about, you know, doing exercises before going on stage, I mean, I can think about that in the, you know, the times that I've faced that, but even talking to friends that have done Ted talks and things like that, you know, I mean, that is when the rubber meets the road, right. Is when, you know, all of the sort of practice comes to a head when you get on that stage and it's, just a big light on you and, a, you know, you can't even really see the audience, but you know, all these people are there and your mind just wants to go blank, you yeah. know? And yeah. so, um, you know, I know that there's lots of different, um, sort of approaches and there's different hormones essentially that are at play during all Absolutely. of this, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Neuropeptides going nuts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly.
0: <laughs> you, and obviously your cortisol and your adrenaline are just like shooting through the roof, you know? So it's like how can you work with that right to channel it and I used to teach dance and this is what I would tell my students all the time too is you know taking that what can feel like fear and nervousness and channeling it into the opposite which is excitement and yes. being able to really you know hone in on that aspect. Um, well that's
1: that it reminds me of that wonderful Fritz Fritz Perl's quote that fear is excitement without breath.
0: Have you heard oh, that? No, <laughs> I have not heard that. No. Yeah, that's yeah. so true. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so and yeah,
1: translating that that stage fright into excitement is a really good way. And of course, qigong is really helpful for that, right? right. Because it's all about breathing and coming back to center, so that when you walk on stage, you're back aligned instead of right. you know what ifs, what if they don't like me what if what if what if what if they yeah yeah caught in yeah
0: yeah and it, and it is fascinating too right because the body's kind of set up in this mode of. Uh, wanting to protect you. Right. That's why all of these hormones are being released and, and, um, everything's kind of going crazy inside because it's like, we may have to run or fight or any of those things. Right. So it's like, you have to figure out how to down, downshift maybe is a way of looking at it, you know, and, and I can see how much, how, uh, Qigong really can help with that, you know, those energetic practices. So yeah. beautiful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, let people know how they can contact you and work with you.
1: Well, the best thing that I, I would suggest is to go to yourpowerpresence.com because there people can um they can reach out to me directly and we can I'd happy to have a conversation with you. But you can also download my uh free book called mm-hmm. uh Let's Get Real About Charisma, three keys to inspire and motivate your audience every time you speak. That's what I call it. And I I geared it towards speakers, but I have a lot of people who've downloaded it because they find that it's useful in terms of how to communicate in a way that's non-defensive and clearly in their power when they're having high stakes conversations, whether it's with uh, a colleague, uh, uh, a boss, uh, an employee who's being difficult, or a kid or a grandkid who you need to set boundaries with. They're finding that some of these techniques are actually helping them when they're just about to have that kind of high stakes conversation. But it's certainly mm. useful for those of us who who spend a lot of time on stage.
0: Yeah, very cool. That's a a wonderful offering. Thank you for yeah, doing that for people. I'm
1: very proud of it. It's a, <laughs> it's pretty much hot off the presses, so I, I Oh, good.
0: This book and, and
1: um I've been getting such wonderful feedback not just from people who have enjoyed it, but from other speakers. So that that nice. that's very validating. Yeah,
0: 100%. Yeah. Well, I didn't Yeah. They're <laughs> like, yeah. "Oh, yeah, that's important information." <laughs> it's, a di- it's
1: a different it's a different approach than the general speaking, yeah. presenting types of coaching. So that's
0: yeah. great. And then if people want to do qigong with you or Wei Qi with you, do you have some offerings too? Um,
1: the Qigong classes. Yes, absolutely. I have something I have. I do seasonal workshops. So those, there's one coming up at the end of March. Uh, the best way to find out about that is to either reach out to me directly through that power, your power presence or to go to my website, which is my name, VickiDeLaJoyo.com. And that always has pop ups of what the latest classes and workshops are coming up.
0: Nice, perfect. Um, you have a newsletter too that people can sign up for? Yeah. I'm
1: yeah, if you if with. you download the ebook, you'll get the newsletter. Gotcha. Uh, and and if you don't want to be on my email list after you get it, you can just unsubscribe. Yeah. I'm a big believer in eliminating spam of all kinds. So
0: <laughs> I hear you. I'm the same way. Spam for you,
1: please take take yourself off the list. Yeah. I, yep.
0: <laughs> exactly. I'm the same way. I'm like don't take it personal if I do it to anybody else, and I won't yeah. take it personal if you get off my list. Right? I, you know? Yeah, because we're all out.
1: inundated, right? We're inundated.
0: Ooh, that bandwidth, yeah, is like getting smaller. So, yeah. <laughs> well, this was such a beautiful conversation. I so enjoyed catching up with you and just talking through all these things. And I'm I'm really glad that um you got to share that story that I remembered from almost <laughs> or 20 years ago, and then some other powerful stories because I know that. Some of the listeners are going to be very excited and, you know, and, and I just kind of want to hammer in that point, how much it can help with hormonal dysregulation and irregularities too. You know, it is a um, very powerful practice when it comes to that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, It balances so much, especially within the hormones. I think that's right. And I'm so glad that you are bringing you're highlighting and bringing focus to that piece
0: mm-hmm, absolutely yeah. yeah all right well so good seeing you it's
1: totally uh an honor to connect with you again Thank absolutely
0: you. all right you guys i will see you next week